You're listening to Being Well with BU, a Bournemouth University podcast. Hello, I'm your host Ella and I'm joined by my co-hosts and resident BU experts in all things mental health and well-being, Kerri-Ann Randall. Hello. And Karen Butters. Hi. Welcome back to Being Well with BU. I'm joined by my regular co-hosts again, and we have another special guest this week. We're joined by Ollie Bachelor. Ollie, would you mind giving us a quick introduction to yourself, please? Hello, uh, thank you for having me here. So, um, my background: I worked as a psychological well-being practitioner in the Bournemouth area. Um, I've also worked at other universities as well, so I worked at Southampton University, uh, and now I'm bringing that experience here to help kind of the, the students at Bournemouth University. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that, and thank you so much for joining us today. So we're going to be talking about routine, um, which is something that we touched on a little bit in our very first podcast, I think. Um, so there's lots of talk about um, the loss of routine that we're all experiencing as a result of the pandemic. And there's plenty of tips out there for how to get back a routine or how to create a new routine um, in this weird time. But my first question for you guys uh, is, why does routine actually matter? Um, And why are people struggling without a routine? So I guess essentially we are creatures of habit and structure. We like knowing what we're going to do and we don't like any kind of unknowns or uncertainties. Um, And unfortunately, that's all that's really surrounding us at the moment with the current environment. So it is actually incredibly hard to put that structure in place. But if we're looking at the real basics, routine is really about the need to kind of wake up at the same time, eat at regular times, kind of try and aim to get to bed at certain times. Um, If we kind of look at dogs and things like that. They tend to know when it's their dinner time and things like that. Routine is very kind of a strong element, not just for humans, but for kind of for kind of all beings really. Ollie, can I ask a question from a, a quick staff perspective? Um, many of our staff uh, have found themselves in situations where they've had childcare responsibilities as well as trying to juggle work at the same time. How important is it to establish family routines as well to try get to try get a kind of a consensus within the household absolutely i think with with all the changes going on at the moment it is it's objectively going to be more difficult to negotiate these different routines um i've myself had staff members who have said unfortunately they can't do this certain responsibility because they've got to take their kids to school so in that sense it is about being kind of true to yourself and almost being assertive um, in a way, looking at actually what do I want to achieve out of my routine? What's important? Do I need to look after the kids, do the work? And unfortunately, in some regards, because work and home are probably going to be blending for a lot of people, there's going to have to be an element of compromise. And it's just to be kind to yourself and kind of saying that this isn't that I find this thing any less important or it's any less valuable to myself. But it's just give my given resources. I just need to essentially just prioritise in that blended way. 
Is that about um, being realistic then, do you think, and, and being realistic with what you can achieve? A absolutely. And I don't think that's really exclusive to the COVID in, um, environment. I think we all like to be a bit over ambitious. We come into the day thinking, oh, this is what I want to get achieved. And we can be quite deflated when, when we don't kind of achieve that. But I think in these times, it's even more important to be very realistic and break things down to bite-sized chunks because there can just be a few things playing against you as well. There's a lot of competing demands on everyone at the moment in regards to work, family, and that's even considering if it's a positive environment. It could be that your home environment or your work environment isn't something you're enjoying at the moment. And that just complicates those negotiations that you have to make. I think um, compromise is a really important bit, isn't it, Ollie? Um, because I've been saying for a while to anybody who's remotely interested in listening that, um, you know, the, the bleed between home life and work life um, has been a bit tricky and trying to, you know, cut off and, and establish some of those routines. And I've been saying, you know, I, I miss the transition of going to work and then coming home again and that kind of uh, start and end kind of emotional relationship with, with, with campus, with the workplace. And yet this morning I had the um, the opportunity for the first time to, to travel to campus um, to as part of our planning, you know, for future kind of um, activity there. And yet halfway on the journey, and a journey that I've done, you know, for a long time, halfway on the journey, I was thinking, oh, what a faff this is. And yet I've been desiring it for such a long time. And yet suddenly now it's here. You just want to establish back in the routine you have had, which is sat here at home doing what you're doing. And it's amazing how we adapt for good and bad reasons, isn't it? Absolutely. I think that when you said that journey home from work is something that you miss, it's kind of the the symbolism of it. It's a very symbolic task. It's kind of like shutting the laptop. You know that you've finished um, kind of the day when you've done that. And actually that is that symbolic end is something that we probably do miss in our routines. And it's something that is harder to introduce into our new routines, kind of working from home or remote working where, where people are doing that. But even small compromises like um, literally kind of shutting the laptop and saying that I will not respond to emails. If it's an emergency after five, please call me. Just being very strict with the type of communication that you do to help with that routine for yourself. I was going to mention that, Ollie, about managing expectations and, and expectations of yourself, but also expectations of other people that you live with, um, particularly for those who are studying and working from home, where because you are physically in a room in the house, then, you know, that's almost um, a, a sort of invitation to, you know, to interrupt because you're, you're there in a, in a home environment as opposed to a work environment. And I think probably um, that's quite an adjustment for, for some families to have to make. Absolutely. Um, I think little things like when you're at work, you might, if you work from rooms, you might have a kind of a rooming rotor that you do. Um, that is, even if it's just with housemates or with kids or anything like that, that is something that's quite good to introduce. So kind of who will be working in what rooms, if it's a bedroom, someone gets to lounge for one kind of afternoon. Uh, there might be certain things that supersede kind of the rotor if it's kind of an emergency situation, but there's always kind of a, a kind of order that you, that you could put into place, which is really important when you're studying around uh, kind of other students with different timetables or kind of working alongside others as well. 
Ollie, we've we've been in this situation where not only does your work and home kind of interact generally and there's there's less divide, but also weekdays and weekends have been kind of, you know, uh, a bit a bit bleedy in that way as well. It's been better recently, certainly the um the national guidance about, you know, having been able to socialise in a, in an open space with others, that's kind of improved things. But how important is it to build in structured kind of weekends to your routine as well so you do something different it's a really good question probably something that i even struggle to develop for myself and it's nothing more fun than heavily scheduled and structured fun uh, but it, it is about almost being quite strict and disciplined with yourself maybe plan to go for a walk and actually at that time at, at the weekend you might not feel like going for that walk that motivation may be a barrier and you may not want to do that but try and do it anyway or try and keep on scheduling in activities that you think is going to be different to something that you would do during the week just again for that symbolic so your your mind and your body knows that this is the weekend this is where i do other things and also so your mind doesn't wonder to kind of work because we might ske schedule our bodies to do kind of physical things that are different. Mind might still be going to the area of work, so it's to keep our body and body and mind on kind of a different area, really. Can I ask another one on that? Because um, I know from a your kind of steps to wellbeing work and staff and student support across the piece, when people are um, either in crisis or struggling emotionally somewhere on that kind of, you know, uh, range. We talk about quick wins, don't we, and celebrating quick wins and establishing um, successes, small successes. Would you recommend for people who are really um, struggling that they keep a record of those so they can reflect back and, you know, ma manage their own emotions and check back on things where they have had really successful days? Absolutely, yeah. I can't encourage that en enough really to actually record and reflect on your experience throughout the day. So not only kind of writing down the tasks that you did uh, or that you wanted to achieve, but no, did you actually do that? Or did something get in the way like motivation or a competing demand? Even kind of putting next to that, how did you feel while doing that activity? It might be that you felt like, like shopping, that you were dragging your feet along the floor, you weren't enjoying it, but you might have got that sense of, oh, at least I got food in the house, I got that kind of achievement there. Um, I do very much like quick wins. I think an easy one is uh, for exercise, I say it's a kind of a five minute rule I always try to introduce for people. So if you're not very kind of, I would say not very good at doing exercise or you've stopped doing exercise where you previously where you previously did do that, um, pick an exercise, try it for five minutes. Worst case scenario, you hate it, you stop it, and you've done five more minutes than you had the other day. Best case scenario, you add another five minutes on, add another five minutes on, and just gradually do that throughout the week to, to build up that momentum. That's kind of what it's all about with introducing things. So I love a, a to-do list, and um, I started to write things on my to-do list, like um, have breakfast, you know, just, just things that I know I can achieve really easily. That's, you know, they're not the big tasks of the day, but they are the sort of the things that actually will help my day go better. Um, but the biggest challenge, certainly for, for me and, and I'm sure for everyone else, is distraction. 
and how you can maintain that motivation when, let's face it, when you're working at home, you've got social media at your fingertips, you've got, you know, the distraction of even putting the washing on because all of a sudden that becomes more important than the task that you've got at hand. So, so have you got any tips for how to reduce distractions? I think when, when looking at distractions, <clears throat> an important point to start on is actually it's okay for your mind to be distracted and to be taken away from a task that you're doing because actually there are more competing demands on, on yourself than any other type that, that, that I've known at, at the moment. Um, I mean, it's really looking at is this a distraction that's inside or outside of your control, really? Uh, if it's something that someone else is kind of another person is doing and you can't control their thoughts and behaviours, it might be about actually, if it's best for you, taking yourself out of that situation, finding enough room to to go in for the short term, just so you can give yourself a bit of a break and be able to kind of get on with things uh, really. But also I think negotiating with other people, if other people and things are kind of being distractions to you, they might have the best intentions of having a little chat. Socializing might be something they really value in that moment, but actually about having that open discussion with them about uh, actually I appreciate this. And while I value that, I just need to get this done at, at this time and we can have a chat later on this evening. I think that's certainly putting it better than I probably would with uh, in my house over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, that that's really helpful. One of the one of the things you've talked about a bit too, Ollie, is this thing about permission. So, you know, giving yourself permission. Um, Ella's right. We touched a little bit on it in in the, in the first recording of the podcast. And I think, you know, that was some weeks ago now. And, and so, you know, our relationship with this notion of giving ourselves permission is possibly different. This where we are now compared to then. Um, talking to staff over the weeks, you know, the first few weeks, it was all a little bit new and, and whilst very frightening in terms of what the NHS were going through and what the potential might be, I think people felt it was short term. Now, some weeks later, we're in this kind of medium term, um, some struggling with the anxiousness of all of that and the uncertainty and some of the things that we're looking at as a university is about, you know, how we get back to whatever the new normal will be. And um, I, I recognise completely that staff have some concerns about about that, as will as will students. So, how can we keep that permission thing fresh? You know, how can we keep saying to ourselves, you know, this is still okay to feel in this way? It might be different permissions, but how how can we keep that um, really uppermost in our mind? I think the first part is just being kind of mindful of how many changes going on around us because it's a very unique situation being led by government advice and policy uh, because it moves very fast there is lots of adjustments one thing that we weren't allowed to do last week will be encouraged to do this week and actually it is it's a very strange thing to keep keep up with it's it's hard to change our routines anyway but it's happening at such a quick pace actually my myself, my kind of my housemates, kind of a lot of people are going to be struggling with that, and it's actually it's okay not to be okay um, about these things. I know kind of the gov government might be saying, obviously, this is to move forward to progress, but it doesn't mean we have to. It's going to make us feel good uh, necessarily. So just being mindful of, okay, you can have these negative um, emotions. 
doesn't mean that kind of it's it's a bad thing necessarily that you're doing anything wrong it's just that you're just finding your own way to reflect and go go through this process with with everyone else it's a tricky one isn't it that um you know sometimes certainly i i sometimes need to fix stuff it you know and i, and I know i can't and so it's no one can fix this stuff i know that but it's a tricky one you know Kerry and I, as you know, work work closely on a range of things, and and one of the things we'll both be doing, I think, in the, in the in the next few weeks, is kind of starting to engage with both staff and students about how they're feeling, how they're feeling about returning, what those concerns are, um, and it's absolutely right that we ask the question morally, legally even, but morally for me, uppermost. Um, but my real worry is what we then, how we can then support staff who are brave enough to tell us how they're really feeling um, when actually some of the things are beyond our control. And so it's kind of, we're asking the big question, but we're then thinking about how we can help with the small measures and the small the small things that, to move people forward. The small steps are going to make all the all the difference here what, what we what you don't want to happen and it is it's a really difficult and hard conversation and usually there are no there are no correct answers in these because it's all about how you're feeling how the other person is feeling how you might feel in the situation that you're being asked to kind of go into um essentially but it's about putting it breaking it down in those small steps so for example returning to a campus hypothetically it would be uh, maybe staff going to certain department where there are no students on campus to start with, uh, more still maintaining social distancing. And obviously students might be slowly introduced into campus. So just making it seem like it's a series of small steps. What, what you wouldn't want to happen is a staff members' anxiety to be so large that they then stay at home for a prolonged period and go from that to a very busy campus where no one is social distancing because it's been a really long amount of time because that's that's a shock really uh, to the system and it can be really damaging for our levels of anxiety and then what that feeds into. I think that takes us back to what we were talking about at the beginning around the importance of routine and actually if you go from being at home where you've been maybe a little bit more um, flexible, a bit more relaxed in, in what time you start and what time you finish. And, and if you're somebody who works better in the evenings, you might sort of have a break in the afternoon and then finish off in the evening. If, if your routine lapses too much, the risk then is getting back into the routine is going to be even harder, not just because of social distancing and coming back on campus, but, but actually getting into that work mindset or that study mindset. And I'm conscious thinking from a student's perspective is, you know, they've been off campus for a long time if they're returning students. Mm -hmm. And for some of our first years who will be joining us, they would have been out of, um, if they've come from sort of further education or, or sixth form, then they would have been out of education for some time. And so that's going to be a huge transition as well. And um, it's going to be quite a lot for us to have to try and incorporate in, in our induction, in our reinduction and re-engagement with staff and students campus is back in a, in a more operational way. So if we tend to adapt to a routine better at a more gradual pace, would it be a good idea for people to start putting back into place some of those routines um, that they would have in their normal day-to-day -day life? 
before we go back onto campus or before the start of term? Yeah, I, I would completely um, ag agree with that. Um, for, for example, I'm, I'm very guilty of I'm enjoying working from home that you can get up 10 minutes before you start work and, and things like that. But actually, with students, you have 9 a.m. lectures, that's not really going to work very well. So I, I agree with that point, Ella, because something that students are specific is that you get up in time for to allow travel to, to get to university uh, for your 9 a.m. lecture. You don't, you're not going to your 9 a.m. lecture, you're doing it purely to reintroduce it into the routine. So it's important to keep on practicing that because you probably not, you won't feel like getting up. I wouldn't feel like getting up if, if I didn't have to. But the point is you're building on that motivation, you're building on that momentum. So when you are in the position where you're having to get up, actually it's not a shock, it's just something you, you're already prepared to do and your body's used to. It's a little bit like muscle memory, isn't it? It's that kind of, you know, routine, set, routine, repeat, that kind of thing. And um, um, you're absolutely right about slowly and incrementally reintroducing both staff and students to campus, um, either because of the timelines or because of the, the activities they'll be doing. So um, it's going to be an interesting summer, actually, trying to work through the many layers of um, information we'll need to ensure that staff are well, let staff trust and have confidence in, in us to look after them, but also they also start to build up their routines and their uh, resilience and emotional stamina to be able to come back and, and you know, and work work in the same way they were all working in late February, early March, really, which is, um, I know it's a bit of an aspiration, but I mean, that's, that's where um, we need to get to. Ollie, what would be your top tips? as a well-being practitioner for how staff and students may be feeling right now what, what sort of things would you be advising um those that you come into contact with who are coming to you in that sort of you know almost distressed state about what's happening and what's going to happen next i i think um before we look at kind of we, we move on to skills or anything like that we just really are reflective and acknowledge the situation actually this is a difficult situation it's okay not not to feel okay because i think sometimes um we can become quite low tolerance to distress um so when we feel an emotion we don't like we get upset and it quickly spirals into anxiety and depression actually it's it's okay these are very human emotions to be feeling uh, but if they don't naturally subside if they continue then it's something that we can do something about. So that's, I think, where we would start looking at really reintroducing areas of um, routine. Because a lot of people who experience low mood and anxiety differently. So some people might feel worse in certain times in the day. Some people will feel worse in the morning. They'll stay in bed and ruminate. Other people will kind of be kind of awake really late worrying. So we want to we want to target the areas that are going to have the maximum impact, really. So I always tell whether it's staff or students, write a diary, a diary of everything that you're doing right now at the moment, not about what you want to be doing or what you think you should be doing, just what are you doing right now? And if you notice you're getting up at midday and you're watching Netflix for eight hours, that's fine. We're not, we're not there to put a judgment on it, but just looking at that actually, if this is your routine at the moment, if it's not naturally working for you, where can we start putting those small changes in really and kind of going, going from there? 
That's great. It actually um, it's good to hear because it resonates with some of the previous conversations that we've been having around, um, you know, being kind to yourself, being realistic with yourself, but also um, that sort of emotional intelligence about how others are feeling as well, and that we will all um, be feeling very different um, at different times. I think it will all depend, won't it, also on people's experiences through lockdown. So if they have been, um, you know, able to be part of a busy household, maybe with few responsibilities, um, they may be desperate to come back to campus. And I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm really aware that there are staff um, and students where home isn't always a safe haven and isn't always a place of um, emotional or sadly sometimes physical sanctuary and I think you know we do need to think about that and, and their and their returns but there'll equally be people who who have been isolated and uh, or who live alone and that yeah are missing that social interaction but who may be really kind of scared of of the kind of environments and so um part of our work is also to reassure everybody that we are doing everything we can to make campus and working practices as safe as possible. In fact, we're just finalising a, a news item by way of update in terms of what, what we've done so far as a major instant group, you know, planning and preparing campus. Um, but that's that's going to be a series, as I said earlier, a series of kind of little snippets of next steps um, that should bring staff with them. And so, um, you know, that bit that you said about, you know, acknowledging your own feelings and, and accepting them, that's part of the journey but then as people start to reintegrate with colleagues you know it's always easy isn't it to get into a situation where you're then comparing other people's emotions to your own and thinking oh goodness you, you know you couldn't have that can't be as bad as that for you because you never you have no idea what I've been through you know and 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 not forgetting that we will have staff and students who have been significantly impact impacted sorry by either illness or, or sadly losing friends and colleagues so I think oh and family members so I think the kindness thing that we've tried to weave through these podcasts I'm hoping we'll take we'll take with us as we go back onto campus and start working in, in a new way because we really do need to um, keep that kind of tolerance high when we start engaging with with each other again you mentioned about that comparing uh, so your your kind of I guess your situation to someone else's situation uh, as well. So kind of oh that person has it a lot a lot harder than me. Why am I kind of feeling this way? And I think that is something that is again not just exclusive to this situation. That that's always been the case uh, for for a lot of us really. And I guess when we're looking at improving people's well being, it's not about kind of comparing yourself to other people's situation. Actually, what is your what would you classify as your baseline, your your normal? And if what you're experiencing is a problem for yourself and it disrupts what you want to be doing in your normal, then it's a problem that you can have help with and that you should get help with, really. There's, there's no such thing as this isn't big enough to get support. If you've noticed that there is an issue for yourself and your, your kind of normal functioning, uh, then it's something that you should speak to someone about because there will be help out there for, for you. So I'm going to put you on the spot now, Ollie, because I know the support that you're offering to students, um, you know, whether they're in Bournemouth or, or wherever their home address is. And I don't know whether you wanted just to have a shameless plug of, of the services that you're currently running for us at the university. 
any excuse for a plug, uh, I love it. Uh, so student wellbeing is operating remotely um, at the moment. So we're still operating within our normal remit. So we help with mild um, kind of symptoms of low mood, anxiety and stress. Um, because of the lockdown, obviously, we can't have face-to-face -face appointments. So we are having uh, appointments over the phone and through video conferencing as well, really. Um, a lot of students, students may have used our drop-in service before as well, which is runs kind of every weekday between 2 and 3 p.m. Um, again, this is running slightly differently. For anyone who's interested, it is now running online through video conferencing. So if you are um, interested in that, do have a look at the website. It's got the link to follow, all instructions there, and it is still running at the same time, um, 2 to 3 every, every weekday during term time. Fantastic. And I think it's only fair, Karen, for you to plug your services. I'm thinking particularly the sort of the employee assistance program and, and the work that your team are doing. Yep. So um, 24 hours uh, access to an employee assistance program um, on the staff Internet. All of the access details are available um, for staff members and for their immediate family. So that's being utilised uh, through lockdown different framing of questions we we don't we don't have anything other than high level management information about it but we get the kind of top three reasons for con contact with the eap and a lot of that has been about dependence and dependence concerns and issues so it's being it's being used um we talked about it last time actually when we were together because it's a great place to test things to test conversations to test feelings um, in a in a very confidential way and something that's completely separate from the university. However, we also have a direct link to either myself or Joe, who works in our team, just for a chat around well-being. Um, and you know, we highly recommend that if staff are are truly struggling, that they speak to their GP in the first instance. Um, and as Kerry always says, podcast uh, fully support the importance of talking to people. And making sure that you know you are able to have someone simply to talk it through, whether it be remotely like this or on a phone call, or even via text to friends or or colleagues, just to kind of test how you're feeling and just talk it out, really. Thank you for listening to Being Well with DU. You can find more Bournemouth University podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from. Or for more information, help and support, visit us online at www.bournemouth.ac.uk.